Coming up on today's edition of Locked On Irish, the three most important things we learned during Saturday's Blue and Gold game. Number one, Sam Hartman is who we thought he was. Number two, I think we figured out why Lorenzo Styles put his name in the transfer portal. And number three, the Irish might be loaded with linebacker depth. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on and welcome to Locked On Irish. It is Monday, April 24th, so thank you for getting your week started here and making this your first listen of the day. As always, you can watch the show on YouTube or listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're new to the program and watching along on YouTube, please like the video below and subscribe to the channel. And if you're listening to the podcast, please take a moment to subscribe from your favorite platform and rate the show five stars. My name is Tyler Wojcik and I am the host. I'm a Notre Dame alum and producer for college football talent at the Fox Sports headquarters in Los Angeles. And this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sports. Book, the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. And in today's episode, I'm going to discuss the three most important things we learned from the blue and gold game on Saturday. The gold team pretty much dominated from start to finish and won by a final score of 24 to nothing. But I don't think that's the story here. And before we really dive in here, let's get all of the spring game qualifiers out of the way first. I know it's just a spring game, and I try to be very careful in how I interpret anything I see on the field during a scrimmage like this one because that's really what it is. It's a scrimmage, and that goes for the good and the bad. I think it's a mistake to get too high or too low on any individual performance in a spring game unless it's like exceptionally bad. For example, Phil Jerkovic's performance in the blue and gold game several years ago when it looked like he had never thrown a football before. That was a giant red flag in the moment and proved to be a sign of things to come for the former Notre Dame, now former Boston College quarterback. But we didn't encounter anything like that on Saturday. As a matter of fact, we saw the opposite. And to be honest with you, after what I saw from Sam Hartman on Saturday in just a quarter and a half of action, it's hard not to get too excited. Now, I'm not saying the quarterback competition is over and Marcus Freeman should announce Hartman as the starting quarterback tomorrow. As a matter of fact, Freeman did everything he could in his postgame press conference to temper the excitement a little bit, probably out of respect to Buckner and the hand he was dealt with during the game. I'll get to uh, Buckner's disappointing day in a moment, but let's stay on Hartman because he finished 13 of 16 passing for 189 yards, two touchdowns through the air, plus one on the ground. And again, he didn't even play the entire first half. After Hartman put the goal team up 21 to nothing in the second quarter, the coaching staff was like, yeah, we're good here, uh, and replaced Hartman with Steve Angeli for the rest of the game. Hartman totally exceeded my expectations uh, in this game. I thought he would play well, but considering the fact he's still learning the offense and getting acclimated with the wide receivers, I figured some of the growing pains we've heard about would be on display Saturday, and that just wasn't the case at all. He completed his first five passes for 81 yards and led his offense down the field for two touchdown drives to open the game. It's worth pointing out that Hartman did have plenty of time to throw, so credit uh, to the offensive line and the goal team for providing him with time in the pocket. But what stood out to me was how comfortable Hartman looked running the offense. You could tell he was going through his progressions. He knew where guys were going to be, and then he'd fire the ball in there on target. That's really all we can hope for at this point in his Notre Dame tenure because it's still so early. This is only his 15th practice with the team, but it looked like he's been in the program for years. A couple plays that really stood out to me. One, the deep ball to Jaden Thomas in the first quarter for a 46-yard gain. That's the obvious one. That was a perfect pass deep down the field, and that was just so good to see. Like, it was so refreshing. And let's be honest with ourselves here. After what we went through last season watching the Notre Dame quarterbacks, it wasn't just that Notre Dame didn't have a good downfield passing game last year. It's that it wasn't even an option 
Like the idea of Drew Pine or even Tyler Buckner in some instances um, connecting on a deep pass wasn't really even a consideration, let alone a legitimate possibility. So it was a great route by Thomas, who I'll talk about more in segment two, but an even better throw by Hartman, and that's exactly why Notre Dame wanted him in the transfer portal. Another play that really stood out to me was his throw across the middle to Davis Sherwood. That was a really, really difficult throw in a tight window on third and eight, no less, and he had to lead Sherwood into a tight spot between two defenders, and Hartman put it right on his chest for a big first down. That was a big-time throw, like I said, on third and eight, and those are the kinds of plays you need from your quarterback in big spots if you really want to be a great offense. And Notre Dame is going to have to face a lot of really good defenses this year, so there's going to be plenty of times where guys really aren't open downfield, but Hartman is going to have to hit them in tight windows where only they can make the catch, and that's exactly what Hartman did on this play. Credit to Sherwood as well, man. That was a really, really tough catch, and he took a big hit on that play too. So that was a, a great play from a guy who's – Certainly not known for his catching ability. He's known more as a blocker, but great play all around there. And again, I know it's just a spring game, but when you consider the kind of output Notre Dame has been getting out of their quarterbacks in recent years, I thought Hartman's performance showed you why he can elevate the ceiling for this entire team in 2023. We already know how good he was at Wake Forest, so we were all really excited when he announced that he was transferring to Notre Dame, but it's an entirely different sensation when you actually see him doing it on the field, in the blue and gold. It basically validates all of our optimism about him that we felt over the past few months. It's a lot like when uh, the pro team you're a fan of makes a big trade at the trade deadline. This is more if you have a favorite uh, pro baseball or basketball team, since football teams don't usually make a ton of huge trades at the deadline. But if your team has ever made a big move at the trade deadline, it's as big of a sign as any that your team is going all in. Um, but when you actually see that player wearing your team's uniform and making big plays for the first time, that's a truly exhilarating experience, and that's what it felt like watching Hartman on Saturday. So I'm a big Cleveland Guardians fan, as you can probably guess by the hat I'm wearing here. But back when they were the Indians in 2016, they were having a really good year, and they were in first place in their division, but they were still pretty young, and nobody really was taking them seriously as a World Series contender or anything like that. Um, and then right before the trade deadline, they went out and traded for Andrew Miller, who was with the New York Yankees at the time, and he was having one of the best seasons of any reliever in baseball. And once the Indians made that move, it completely changed the ceiling for the team that season. And to be honest with you, I was shocked in the moment when they made the trade because the Indians, they really never made moves like that, especially trading, trading away their best prospect who ended up being kind of a bust anyway. So that really worked out there. But I remember the first time seeing him in an Indians uniform, shutting guys down, and I had that like wow moment where you realize this team is serious and I couldn't help but get my hopes up about what they could do that year. And then we get to the postseason and Miller was the team MVP all the way up until game seven of the World Series when they lost the Cubs and shattered my hopes and dreams. But I bring all this up because I feel very similar now with Sam Hartman that I did then with Andrew Miller because uh, I think Notre Dame is going all in on this year with Sam Hartman. And when they picked him up, it was a big sign in the moment. And now you're kind of seeing why on Saturday in the blue and gold game. And again, I know it's just a spring game and he wasn't going up against all the starters on defense, but if you asked pretty much every Notre Dame fan which player they'd want to have the best game on Saturday, I guarantee you like 99% would say Hartman and that's exactly what happened. So it's okay to be feeling really good about him and what could be this season for the Irish with him at quarterback. Now, as for the other quarterback, Tyler Buckner, he obviously didn't have his best day out there. He finished 8 of 18 for 44 yards and an interception. And you could tell 
He was frustrated by his performance. And look, I know I've said over and over again on this podcast that I love what Tyler Buckner brings to the team, and I'm still high on him, but I can't sugarcoat the fact that he did not look good on Saturday. We can make excuses for him, and I think several of them are valid. For example, Marcus Freeman said in the postgame that he told Buckner that the defense was in cover two on the pass that he threw that was intercepted by Jaden Mickey when they were actually not in cover two. But it wasn't just that one play. Jaden Osbury dropped another shot and an interception on a different play that looked like it was, in fact, Buckner's fault. So it was a disappointing day all around for him. Now, the offensive line and the blue team did not play well. They didn't give Buckner a ton of time uh, back there to operate at all, but he still made some decisions that brought, brought me back to like the early points in last season where it's like, what are you, what are you doing there? I don't, I don't know if the sack in the first play of the game was Buckner's fault for not getting the line prepared for the blitz, but he also had a fourth down play later on where he tried to hit a check down, and that didn't work. It's like, what, what are you even doing there? Now, of any of the quarterbacks wearing the red jersey, uh, it obviously impacts Buckner the most because it essentially takes away his ability to run around and scramble. I know he technically still can, but he's not going to be looking to run in the same way he would in a normal game because of the red jersey. So when you're evaluating Buckner's performance on Saturday, you have to take into account the fact that his line wasn't great and he was basically playing with one arm behind his back because you're taking away one of his best attributes on the field. But still, I was hoping to see more from him. We didn't. Um, it's especially disappointing considering all the great things we've been hearing about him and how well he's played in spring practice uh, so far. But it's important to remember that this is just one practice out of 15, and that applies to both quarterbacks. Like, I'm sure Tyler Buckner had some really good days during the past few weeks that we didn't see, and I'm sure Sam Hartman probably struggled several, several times when we weren't around. But from what we've heard, it sounds like Sam Hartman's development has been linear. He started slow but has been really progressing as of late whereas Buckner's has just been up and down, which has kind of been the case for much of his college career so far. And even though I still think Notre Dame should take this quarterback competition into the fall to keep both guys engaged, it's hard not to let your mind wander a little bit and consider just how good Hartman can be if he continues on this trajectory as the Notre Dame quarterback. Saturday might be the launching point for Hartman, and if that's the case, Notre Dame's ceiling this season might be even higher than we thought it could be before the start of spring practice. All right, coming up next, I think Saturday showed us why Lorenzo Styles decided to put his name in the transfer portal. Grand slams, no-hitters, and double plays are back, and there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Place your first bet and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. So don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks again for making Locked On Irish your first listen of the day. I also wanted to let you know that Locked On's NFL Mock Draft special is here and it's bigger than ever. Follow along for the first pick of all 32 teams in a six-episode Ultimate Mock Draft experience that only Locked On can deliver. All episodes are available now on Locked On NFL Draft, which you can find on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, let's get back to the blue and gold game here. 
I think the second most important thing we learned on Saturday is why the Notre Dame coaching staff wanted to move Lorenzo Styles to corner before Styles eventually put his name in the transfer portal just one day before the spring game. Um, as most of you know, Lorenzo Styles ent- entered the portal on Friday just three days after he told reporters he was going to play both ways in the blue and gold game, and he was very excited about it. Um, I was surprised when I first heard the news only because of what he said to the media just a few days prior. Like, I thought he would enter the portal as soon as they presented the position change because he very clearly wanted to play wide receiver out of high school despite the fact that several teams who were recruiting him looked at him as more of a defensive back um, than a wide receiver. But, hey, that's where Lorenzo wanted to play, so Notre Dame gave him a shot. He had a pretty decent freshman year, especially at the end. And it didn't work out, but... I was skeptical that he'd be cool with a position change at this point in his career, and then he said he was cool with it, and then he wasn't. So, you know what, that's just college football in 2023. But I'll talk more about Styles later this week, but I actually want to focus more on the guys who are still on the roster today, and specifically those guys in the wide receiver room, because last week I talked a lot about how I thought it was actually a very encouraging development that Notre Dame was totally fine with moving Styles away from receiver because I thought it told us more about the other guys in the room. We started to see why on Saturday. First of all, Chancey Sucky said last week he already hit on all three freshman wide receivers who early enrolled, which is um, pretty rare for a coach to say this early in the process. But of the three, we thought Rico Flores had the best chance to see significant playing time this season. And while that still might be the case, Jane Greathouse, the true freshman out of Texas, fully cemented his name in the conversation on Saturday. Greathouse had the best day of any wide receiver on the field. Granted, he was getting more snaps than some of the older, more proven guys like Jane Thomas, uh, but he was really impressive. Greathouse hauled in 11 catches for 118 yards, and he looked really comfortable out there, which isn't surprising considering his background. He's basically been playing at a a college-type program for the past four years at Austin-Westlake, which is one of the best high school programs in all of Texas, a place who cares just a, a little bit. But high school football, I don't know if you guys have heard that. Uh, but not only that, Greathouse set the school record for touchdowns at Westlake during his time there. So this is a guy who's played a lot of football already at a big-time level, and he's the transition into Notre Dame is looking really smooth right now. He's also way bigger than I realized. There was actually a pretty fun, funny moment when I was watching the game uh, with my roommate who went to USC, by the way, so you can only imagine what I have to deal with on a daily basis. But anyway, Greathouse was back there returning a punt, and my roommate goes, why do you have a tight end back there returning punts? Now, he was half kidding, but I think that's a good representation of what Greathouse looks like in pads because he really is that big for wide receiver, and that's really impressive for a guy who should still be a senior in high school. And what what stood out to me about Greathouse on Saturday were his natural instincts at the position. Like, he was great at finding soft spots in the zone, securing the catch, and then getting upfield. He was even doing little things like maneuvering his body at the point of contact to get an extra yard. That just shows an incredible knack for playing the position. And after what I saw from him on Saturday, I don't really think it's crazy to think that he could be a starter by the end of the year. It was actually funny. In his press conference before spring practice, he said that his goal coming out of the spring was to be a starting wide receiver. And he didn't say it like a cocky, arrogant, freshman way. I think he just was very confident in his game and his skill set and was like, that was a realistic goal. And at first, it was like, wow, cool. Like, he, he's very high in himself, and he, he has that quiet confidence. But now it's like, okay, maybe not right now because the guys, you know, the older guys are going to have something to say about that. But it's realistic uh, to think that he could do that by the end of the year. Now, I know some of you are going to be like, he's a freshman wide receiver at Notre Dame. We've heard this before. He's never going to play. And trust me, I'm, I don't want to get my hopes up either. And I understand where you might be coming from. But I'll remind you that Notre Dame was going to start Tobias Merriweather against, against Clemson last year and probably – 
the rest of November, but unfortunately a bad concussion pretty much wiped out that entire last month of the season for him. So it is possible for a freshman wide receiver to get playing time, but obviously Notre Dame's old receivers, you know, they're going to have a say in that, like I was just saying. But speaking of those older receivers, Jaden Thomas, man, he showed out in limited action as well. And I don't think there should be any doubts about what he's capable of at this point. Like Thomas is a dude. He's a good route runner. He's got strong hands. He's huge. He's physically gifted. And he even showcased what he can do after the catch on Saturday. Like, the fact that he got into the end zone on that little stick route he ran on the first try of the game was insane. He basically plowed through multiple defenders to get into the end zone, and then he followed that up on the next drive with the 46-yard catch from Hartman. So I'm really pumped to see what Thomas can do this year because he's on the short list of guys who I think could have a breakout season in 2023. But bringing it back to Styles here, I think we saw firsthand why he was getting buried on the receiver depth chart. I know we didn't see a ton from the guys in the blue team. Like, it was a pretty quiet day for Deion Colsey, Tobias Merriweather, and Chris Tyree. Um, but I think that has more to do with the line and the quarterback play from Buckner and Minchie on the blue team than it does with the receivers. But when you consider everything that we've been hearing since the start of spring practice about guys like Tobias Merriweather, Deion Colsey, Rico Flores, and even Chris Tyree, as he continues to develop as a full-time wide receiver— coupled with what we saw on the field from Jane Thomas and Jane Greathouse, you realize just how deep that position is. And based on how things have played out over the last few weeks, it sounds like these young guys, specifically Greathouse and Flores, already passed uh, Styles in the depth chart. And I haven't even mentioned Braylon James yet, who might have a higher ceiling than both of those guys, so that's probably going to take a little bit of time to get developed. I think Chancey Stuckey said that he put 15 pounds on uh, so far since he early enrolled, and that's a lot, and it's got to be difficult for his body to sort of get acclimated carrying that kind of weight around, but I think the ceiling for James is, is really high, and he could potentially force his way onto the field later in the year, but it's still too early to tell with him. And then when you look over at what's happening with the cornerbacks, you know, there really isn't that much room for Styles if guys like Jaden Mickey are going to play like he did on Saturday. Mickey obviously had that pick off Buckner that I mentioned earlier, and even if it was a poor decision by Tyler, Mickey still had to make a play in the ball, and he did. That's huge for his confidence, especially given how last season ended for him, and it just doesn't seem like there's a chance for Styles to get the amount of playing time that he wants on the Notre Dame roster right now. Like, he fully expects to be a starter wherever he chooses to go. And wherever that may be, we'll obviously keep you updated here on the show. And I'll probably talk more about Styles later on. But for today, I want to keep the shine on the guys who did play on Saturday and the guys who are still with the program. So coming up in segment three, I'll stay on the defensive side of the ball and I'll tell you why I'm actually much higher on Notre Dame's linebackers than I was a few weeks ago. Okay, I spent a lot of time on the offense so far in this episode, but let's talk about the defense because there were some really encouraging developments on that side of the ball as well, particularly with the young linebackers. And going into spring practice, I don't want to say that I was like down on this group, but I think there, there were some uncertainties at the position because on one hand, we know they've got the proven commodities like J.D. Bertrand, who despite the fact that he's much maligned by the fan base, is actually a really good player, and I think he's going to have a really exceptional year in 2023. And even though Maris Leofo had an incredibly disappointing last year, I think he can bounce back this year so long as he has more guys to rotate in with him at linebacker. Like, there is no reason that Maris Leofau led the entire defense in snaps last season. That He just did not play at that level. He's not that guy. But I think that he could be a lot better if he's able to rotate with more guys. But in order for that to happen, Notre Dame is going to need some of the young guys at that position to step up. And we started to see that on Saturday. 
Saturday was a truly great opportunity for these young guys because Notre Dame decided to rest Bertrand and Leo Fowl for much of the game, which makes sense. Those guys have played enough football already. They don't need the reps during the spring game nearly as much as the young guys did. Plus, Jack Kaiser was out for the game with an injury. So the guys behind them, they had a great opportunity, and I thought they really took advantage of that on Saturday. A couple performances who stood out to me. Number one, Jalen Sneed. He led the goal team with seven total tackles, three solo. I said on Friday's show of last week that he's one of the guys I was most interested in seeing on the field, and I thought he delivered. Um, we know how athletic he is. He showed that when he managed to chase down Chris Tyree, who might just be the fastest guy on the entire team, on the sidelines. So he flashed there. Physically, he's more developed, a lot more developed than he was last year when I'm not even sure if he was 200 pounds when he arrived on campus, which is obviously not acceptable for a guy who's going to be starting at, a, at the college level. But that that wasn't the expectation for Snead last year. Marcus Freeman told him before the season that he was going to redshirt, which I'm sure is a bitter pill to swallow for any freshman, but especially for Snead, a guy who came in with a lot of hype as a recruit. But he played inspired football. He even said after the game that he felt motivated because he he was picked after Nolan Ziegler in the draft. So I get it from that perspective. But then again, give credit to Nolan Ziegler. That's another guy who really impressed because he showcased why he was drafted so high. He was all over the field for the blue team. He had a rough start on the opening drive when Jane Thomas went right by him on his touchdown. But uh, Ziegler managed to bounce back, and he ended up leading both teams with 10 total tackles, nine of which were solo. He also had two big tackles on Jane Greathouse in space on a third and fourth down play. And both times, Ziegler made uh, sure to get him down short of the first down marker. That's tough to do. I was just raving about Greathouse, so we got to give credit here to Nolan. Preston Zinter is another guy who I thought had a really good game. He finished with six tackles. And then there's Jaden Osbury, the true freshman early enrollee. He had a really nice game at Rover. Uh, despite the fact that he dropped the inter- interception that he could have maybe returned for a touchdown. I don't know if he's going to outrun Chris Tyree there. But he had a chance, and he dropped, and he was really hard on himself. But I thought he flashed, and he had some really impressive plays in coverage. What does all this mean for the upcoming season? To be honest with you, I'm not totally sure outside of Jalen Seed. Like Jalen Seed, out of any of the guys I just mentioned, he clearly has the best chance to play and start for this team in 2023. He looks uh, like he's getting a lot of reps at the will linebacker position, which is interesting. And I think he could really thrive there, especially now if the coaching staff has more confidence in him to sort of know where he needs to be on the field. Because I think once Snead gets to a point where he knows where he's supposed to be and all he has to do is just make a play and just be a great football player, then he's going to really shine at Notre Dame because we know how talented he is. And you've got to imagine that Bertrand and Maris Leofau, they're going to, still going to get the bulk of the reps, which makes sense because they're definitely the most proven guys so far. They have a ton of experience, and that cannot be ignored. But it's great to see these young guys playing so well when given the chance. And if they're able to give the older guys some rest, I mean, that's big for everyone. That's big for J.D. Bertrand. That's big for Leofau, and that's big for whichever young guy steps up and forces themselves onto the field. And this goes back to Marcus Freeman's first recruiting class with Notre Dame when he signed arguably the top linebacking group in all of college football after the 2021 season. Now guys like Junior Tui Alamaka and Josh Burnham have moved from linebacker to Viper, but the group came in with a lot of hype and excitement. And this is the first time we've really seen why on the field. And this class also came on the heels of Prince Colley, who won the Buckus Award as the nation's best linebacker coming out of high school the year prior. Colley obviously didn't play on Saturday as he recovers from a concussion, and it sounds like his future at Notre Dame is still somewhat up in the air. I, I don't, I'm not totally sure what's going on there because... Some people say he's considering transferring, and I've also heard he's staying, so we're just going to have to wait and see. But my point is that with or without Kali, 
Notre Dame has plenty of depth at linebacker, which is not something I don't I would have said a few weeks ago because if you had told me that Prince Colley was considering transferring a few weeks back, I think I would have been a lot more nervous about that position as a whole just because we hadn't seen it from these young guys yet. But now we're starting to see that on the field on Saturday. With Colley, I hope he sticks around, man, because I think he's still a really talented football player. He had a steeper learning curve than we thought, mostly because coming out of high school, he was a C-ball, get-ball player, and learning the defense, learning his keys, learning all, all that has taken a little bit more time than we would have hoped, but I still think that there's a lot of potential for him at Notre Dame. And then you've got another freshman like Drake Bowen, who is waiting in the wind, and he, he could be really good at Notre Dame. There's just a lot of guys at this position, and it's going to be a really competitive uh, fall camp once that comes around. It's going to be really interesting to see which one of these young guys is going to be the one to force themselves on the field, or it could be two. But odds are it's probably not going to be more than that because you still got Bertrand, you still got Leo Fon, you still got Jack Heiser, who I think could have a good year. So either way, I think Notre Dame is in a really good position at linebacker. They've got veterans with a ton of game experience and young guys behind them with a lot of talent. Now they're starting to prove why they deserve to be on the field more. And that's a very healthy place to be, not just for the linebackers, but for the defense in 2023 and beyond. All right. That's going to do it for me today. Thanks again for making this your first listen of the day. For the everyday listeners of the show, be sure to tune in tomorrow for more reaction to the Blue and Gold game. And throughout this week, I'll continue to put a bow on Notre Dame spring practice. On the way out, remember to subscribe to the show from wherever it is that you're tuning in from, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to follow the show on all the social medias as well, which you can find on Twitter at Lockdown Irish, on Instagram at Lockdown Irish Pod, and my personal Twitter account at Tyler Wojak. That's at Tyler W O J. C-I-A-K. I'll see you guys tomorrow.